0: What up and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, James Rapine. Jake out today. I'm flying solo and we have plenty to get to on today's podcast, including the latest on the NFL as the league and the Players Association continue to discuss exactly what needs to happen for training camp to start on time. Players set to report. A week from Tuesday, and if you're listening to this on Tuesday, Joe Burrow is going to be in the building. NFL rookies reporting to camp today. Kansas City rookies and Houston rookies reported on Monday. They're going to get their COVID-19 tests and more, so we'll discuss that. Plus, expectations for A.J. Green. Jake has talked about him on this podcast. I've talked about him on this podcast. I'm going to tell you why. It's okay to have sky-high expectations for number 18. That and more on today's show. Will the NFL and the NFLPA be able to come to terms on what's going to take place over the next few weeks due to COVID-19? This is your Cincinnati Bengals lead story on the Locked on Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine Tom Palisero of NFL Network reported on Monday that the NFL and the Players Association have agreed to take... Daily COVID-19 testing for the first two weeks of camp, after which they'll look at the positivity rates. If the coronavirus rates drop below 5% for players in Tier 1 and Tier 2 individuals, they'll move to every other day. Important, obviously, as we get closer and closer to training camp. Pelissero also reports that players are going to need multiple negative tests before they're allowed in the building for physicals or team activities. It's a lesson the NFL has taken from other professional leagues. NFL Chief Medical Officer Dr. Alan Sills says test results are expected within 24 hours. Another thing and another reason why they have daily testing is because the NFL contracted with a national lab to make sure their testing needs didn't take resources away from local markets, and that's not going to. So that that's a good sign there for those wondering, all right, professional athletes are going to get these daily tests what about us? What about the general population? What about the people that need them? This is not taking away from that surplus or that group or that number of tests. Uh, honestly, it's a shock to me that it's taken this long to realize that daily testing was needed, at least initially. I thought that that was going to be the case months ago. When you're doing what the NFL is trying to do, which is play a full physical contact sport, sweat, running, tackling, moving, throw, you know, sharing water, like all that stuff. And I, I get it. There's a lot of safety protocols that we've talked about on this podcast and that we've mentioned before that they're going to try to do to limit the spread of the coronavirus. At the same time, the key is testing. The key is finding out who has it and getting them quarantined and away from the rest of the team. That's the scary part about this virus, right? It's the unknown. It's not knowing if you have it when you cough. It's not knowing if the person you have has it next to you in a restaurant if you go into a restaurant. Those are the things, the unknown. Well, if testing is just out there and available for every player every day, it doesn't seem as taxing. It doesn't seem as unknown because you know, well, A.J. Green's out there. Guess what? That means he passed his COVID-19 test. So for the first two weeks of training camp, that's going to be the case. And I think this is huge. This is huge for the Bengals. This is huge for a young team like that that the last thing they need is 10 guys to get this thing and and spread it around and, and really delay camp. A camp needs to be efficient. They need to be able to hit the ground running. And Jake and I talked about it on yesterday's podcast. You're going to have to, if you're the Bengals, you're going to have to be able to simulate games and find a way uh, to, to make some, some headway here and really develop. Uh, last we heard, the, the league is uh, okay with just one preseason game now. The, the NFL Players Association still want zero games uh, played before they matter in week one. I get both sides, and I think it'll end up being zero. In either way, the Bengals are at a disadvantage because they have the rookie quarterback, they have a second-year head coach, and a bunch of new faces. So you're not going to have a bunch of time to to get used to uh, life in the NFL with a bunch of preseason games. You're going to have to make roster decisions based on what happens in training camp, and the only way you can do that effectively is if you have those guys out there. If you have a full roster of guys out there every day at practice so this COVID-19 news it's huge and it's it's a really I, I think was always the 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 only way to go is to have daily COVID-19 testing and they say for the first two weeks honestly I think it'll be maybe throughout camp and then when you break camp and you cut rosters down uh, it, then maybe you can limit it to a couple times per week but even then you're going to have players that are going home. They're driving to the facilities. They have to stop for gas. They have to go to the store. There are exposures everywhere. So you may have to test them daily even during the season. Like that, That's just sort of the reality that we might be looking at. But obviously the league taking a step in the right direction here, the Players Association as well, that they've officially made it clear, made it known, they've agreed to it. Daily COVID-19 testing for the first two weeks of training camp And then if the numbers drop below 5%, then they could reassess and make it testing available for for players every other day. I want to get more into training camp and COVID-19, and and obviously I'll be there covering the Bengals for allbengals.com and Sports Illustrated, and we'll have the latest here on Locked on Bengals as well. But at the same time, we've talked about AJ Green a lot over the past couple of days for good reason. And expectations for him vary depending on the person you ask. Jake has little lower expectations. He would call them realistic. I have higher expectations, and I think it's valid. And I, I'm going to give you one figure that explains why, one number that explains why you should have high expectations for number 18 this year. So stay tuned for that as we roll on right here on the Lacton Bengals Podcast.
1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: You know, there's so many people that have said over the past couple of weeks, couple of months, heck, last year before the trade deadline, and I wasn't covering the Bengals then, but as most of you know, I certainly followed them throughout the, the one year that I was covering the Cleveland Indians and the Cleveland Browns and all that stuff that I was doing. Um the expectations for A.J. Green. Oh, just trade him before the deadline. Get something for him. He's old. He's injury prone. He's washed up. A lot of people said that. And, and, and now the, the narrative is, oh, well, adjust your expectations for A.J. Green because he may very well end up with 900 yards this year. That might be the receiver he is now. Well, that's fine. You can think that, and you could talk about hamstring injuries and foot injuries, and obviously he's had the, the, the toe injuries over the years. All of those things that he's dealt with, you could certainly say, oh, yeah, well, he, he can't be the same player he was a couple of years ago. That might be true. Age, certainly a factor. He's going to be 32 at the end of this month, just a few days into training camp. All of those, those things are factors, but he, here's what I'll say. The Bengals know A.J. Green better than anyone, better than you, better than me, better than uh, some average Joe on the street or anyone on NFL Network or any of that. They know A.J. Green better than anyone. And you know what they've said? They said, we're going to make A.J. Green one of the highest paid wide receivers in the NFL. No, that doesn't mean we're going to give him a long-term deal because, like you've said, he's been injured. But he is going to be the sixth highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. That's what we're going to do. He's going to make more money on a, uh, in 2020 than Mike Evans and DeAndre Hopkins and Brandon Cooks and Adam Thielen and Jarvis Landry and Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs and Allen Robinson and T.Y. Hilton and Alshon Jeffrey and Emmanuel Sanders and Larry Fitzgerald and Keenan Allen and Tyrell Williams and Tyler Boyd. And I'm just going on and on and on because that's what the Bengals did. They committed big-time money to A.J. Green. There aren't many players making more money than him in 2020. Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham Jr., Tyreek Hill. That's it. That's the list. And OBJ and Hill both making a whopping $135,000 more than A.J. Green, which is pennies. They're making $18 million. He's making $17.865 million. We usually round it up to 17.9 because that's what he's making. Adriel Jeremiah Green is being paid to be an elite player. The Bengals didn't franchise him so he could put up 900 yards and be a compliment in this offense. No, that's just – it's not the case. Tyler Boyd is their compliment. He's had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. If he has 900 yards this year in this offense, that wouldn't be crazy. This idea that you have to adjust your, uh, your expectations for a guy who says he has four years of elite play left. I was on that press conference with him the other day, and he said, oh, I have four years of elite. Great years. He said great years, and he said it multiple times. He didn't hesitate. And what I take from that is he thinks he can be great in 2020. And then sign a three-year extension next offseason, 2021, 2022, 2023. A.J. Green has those expectations of himself. The Bengals are expecting him to be an elite wide receiver. Why shouldn't you? Why do you need to readjust your expectations because he missed all of last season? Or because he's going to be catching passes from a new quarterback? Or because he's turning 32 years old? He hasn't. His expectations are just as high. And, and so if his are as high... The Bengals are paying him to be literally the sixth-highest-paid receiver in the game. So if you're the sixth-highest-paid receiver on the planet, we should adjust our expectations because of injuries? No chance. I get it. It's a one-year deal. It's not long-term money, and you can make that case. But the reality is he's being paid to be comparable to Michael Thomas and Amari Cooper and Julio Jones. And that's how A.J. Green views himself. If A.J. Green viewed himself... As a compliment, he would have gotten an extension this offseason. I've got news for you. There's a reason that he didn't sign a long-term deal with the Bengals. He was looking for elite wide receiver money. And they were not going to commit elite wide receiver money to a guy who has been injured and needs to show that he can still be among the best in the game. They think he can be, but they're not downright silly. They want him to prove it, which makes sense. If he was going to sign for $10 million a year, they would have signed him this year. Done. A.J. Green wants to be paid like this for the next few years. He expects to play like an elite receiver. And there are many, many times where I thought A.J. was carrying a Bengals offense that was limited by its quarterback. And while Joe Burrow's entering year one, and he hasn't had even met A.J. Green in person, hasn't had on-field time with him, hasn't been in Paul Brown Stadium yet. We'll get to more on that in just a few minutes. I can't help but wonder why people are lowering their expectations. All right, he dealt with an ankle injury. All right, he's going to be 32 years old. The Bengals, they believe he can still be elite. They're paying him to be that guy. He believes it, and he expects it. So why should we expect any less? It's one simple figure, the number six. A.J. Green is the sixth highest paid wide receiver on the planet in the league. Why shouldn't he play like it? Why should anyone else expect him not to play like it? If he doesn't have better numbers than Brandon Cooks, who's on a new team, who's dealt with injuries, then something's wrong. Then it's underwhelming. I don't care about his age. He should outperform Adam Thielen this year. Willie, I don't know, but the Bengals are paying him to outperform Adam Thielen. And that doesn't mean you necessarily have to have 110 receptions at Adam Thielen's 98 or whatever. He could end up having 90 catches, 1,100 yards, 10 touchdowns. So some of it is numbers, and some of it is, can you just be that number one elite wide receiver? One guy who thought this, and I wrote about it at allbengals.com, James Jones, the former NFL wide receiver, who won a Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers. He was on NFL Network. He thinks Joe Burrow and A.J. Green are gonna link up for 15 touchdowns this year. How exciting would that be? And that that's the thing to me. Like while that's probably higher than I would predict, I think expectations should be high. Joe Burrow is elite in a lot of categories that Andy Dalton wasn't. He has better pocket presence, his arm is more accurate. I think it's stronger, even though some are worried about Bro's arm strength. I think he's a better athlete at this stage, even though Dalton was an underrated athlete. He's stronger, just in general, stronger. So I think he's going to be better. And he's got the same mental. One thing Andy Dalton never got enough credit for was his mental capacity and his ability to pick up, digest the playbook. Joe Bro's the same way, right? He can do that exact same stuff. So I have high expectations for A.J. Green this year. And and I I don't think that we need to make excuses. I don't think that we need to to be saying, oh, well, his injury history and this and that. Yeah, he's got to stay healthy. It doesn't matter. That's it. He does. He's got to stay healthy. But the Bengals are paying him to not only stay healthy, but to go out there and kick the tail out of Pittsburgh and Baltimore and Cleveland and the Los Angeles Chargers in week one. If he's not making defensive coordinators – lose sleep and stay up late trying to scheme and game plan for Joe Bro to AJ Green, then Green is proving the Bengals wrong. If he goes out there and proves them right, he's going to get a long term deal from someone next offseason, or they're going to tag him again, which means he'd make 21 and a half million dollars next year. So he's got to do it this year. It's okay to have high expectations for him, Bengals fans. I do. I don't want you to feel bad about it, despite the talk not just on this podcast, but in a lot of places, that we should temper expectations for A.J. Green. I don't buy it. I'm not going to buy it. A.J. Green wouldn't want you to. He wants you to have high expectations for him because that's what he has for himself. And I think that's what you should have for number 18 going into the 2020 season. We'll keep things rolling on Locked on Bengals with Joe Burrow. He's going to be at PBS on Tuesday. We'll talk about it next right here on Locked on Bengals.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: We're cruising along here on Locked On Bengals, and Tuesday is a big day in Bengals history. Now, I don't know about you, but... Me personally, I believe Joe Burrow is the type of guy that can not only turn around the Bengals, but take them to heights that we haven't seen before. Carson Palmer was a guy who came in and helped change the franchise in the early 2000s. Expectations changed. Uh, Fans loved the Bengals again and and, and were able to embrace them and celebrate again. And there were jerseys and all that stuff, excited the fan base again. Him and Chad and all those guys, But what did they end up winning? Same thing with Andy Dalton and, to this point, A.J. Green and Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, and and all those guys in the 2010s. What did they end up winning? Tuesday, yeah, it's just rookies reporting and they're going to get their COVID-19 tests. But the guy that you hope, I hope, and I I think uh, the city of Cincinnati and, and really a lot of people across the country hope can turn around a Bengals franchise that hasn't won a playoff game since January 6, 1991, they hope that this is the beginning of the change. That when Joe Burrow sets foot in Paul Brown Stadium, that this is the beginning of that culture shift, that 10, 15 years from now, we remember this crazy virus that the Bengals and the other 31 NFL teams in the entire world was dealing with, and yet Joe Burrow comes into PBS for the first time, and it's just the start of something special. That's what Tuesday can be. You know, you you can look at it and say, oh, he's just going to go in there and say hi to a few people and maybe see Zach Taylor and that's it, get his COVID-19 test and get out out of town and go back home. And I say home as in Cincinnati because obviously he's reporting for camp. Or you could look at it differently. This is a new beginning. This is Joe Burrow number nine coming in to help change a franchise that has had four straight losing seasons to help change a franchise that a lot of national media say isn't well run. If Joe Burrow's a hit, if he's the stud, if he's the, the the Peyton Manning type guy that some believe he is or can be, the Tom Brady type culture changer that some believe he can be, even if he's Tony Romo, which some view as a knock, but I think is a compliment. Kurt Warner, obviously that's a compliment. He's a Hall of Famer. Any of those guys, if that's the case, then Bengals football is about to be so much fun for the next decade. So much fun. Because all of those guys know, knew how to overcome. Tony Romo overcame an awful Cowboys franchise. They were awful in the 2000s with Romo at quarterback. They never put enough around him. Yeah, they would go get like the TOs of the world and stuff like that, but their defense was never good. He never had an elite offensive line, and by the time he did, he was too banged up, too injured, and then he ended up retiring. Kurt Warner overcame a ton just to get in the league. And then he was an NFL MVP. And then he overcame again adversity when he went to the Giants, goes to the Cardinals, and guess what? Takes the Arizona Cardinals to the Super Bowl. The Arizona Cardinals, they should have won. I hate that. I hate that so much because they should have won. That's what he's being compared to. So Tuesday, July twenty-first, 2020. The first time Joe Burrow, the potential franchise savior, walks into Paul Brown Stadium for the first time. And it may be brief. It may be just be for a a few moments so he can have the the test taken and he can be sent home. But this is the start of a new era of Bengals football. Who knows how it's going to go? It might not be as successful as the Carson era or the Andy Dalton era. Or this may be the next Ken Anderson. Or maybe even better. No one knows. But the expectations are high. At the same time, I think it's reasonable, again, to have high expectations for Joe Burrow. And it's going to be fun to watch this play out. After a couple of years of, honestly, kind of boring football, right? 2018, especially after A.J. Green got hurt. Kind of boring. You knew what was going to happen after that 5-3 and three start. Same thing in last season, a couple of games in. You knew they weren't turning it around. Well, this year's going to be different, and it should be different. There's excitement. There's a, uh, a sense of belief in the long-term future of the Cincinnati Bengals, and it all starts tomorrow when Joe Burrow walks into Paul Brown Stadium for the first time. Hopefully he tests negative back-to-back days, and the rest of his rookies and uh, fellow quarterbacks test negative in back-to-back days. After that, they can start strength training. That means Joe Burrow and T. Higgins can get together and work out. And Logan Wilson can try to guard him, right? And and these guys can get in and figure it out and start to build that rapport, start to build that chemistry and start to prepare for what is the 2020 season. I'm excited just thinking about it, Bengals fans. There's been so much uncertainty over the past couple of months. My transition to Cincinnati from Cleveland, I'm not trying to make it about me, but it's true. And the fact that we're close to having football, potentially returning here with training camp. I love it. I can't wait. I'm, like I said, ecstatic just thinking about it. And uh, I hope you are too. And we're going to be bringing you the latest information right here on Locked on Bengals. So Tuesday, huge, huge day in Bengals history. I hope this is the start of something special. Make sure you keep it locked right here on Locked on Bengals. Jake has your Wednesday show solo And then him and I will be back at it together on Thursday. So if you're new to this podcast, it's a daily Bengals podcast. You're going to get the latest info on the Bengals right here. Subscribe iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you get your podcast, And make sure you leave us a five-star review. I want as many Bengals fans to be listening to this all season long because this is going to be the number one spot, the number one podcast when it comes to Bengals news. That's going to do it for today's show. I'm James Erpine. Jake Lisko has you tomorrow. Until then, Bengals fans, I appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you soon.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.